Welcome to the Bonhoeffer Podcast, a podcast about the life, theology, and practice of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I'm your host, Corey Tuttle, and my guest today is Dr. Peter Hooten. Dr. Hooten is a PhD in theology from Charles Sturt University and a member of the university's Public and Contextual Theology Research Center. He's also the author of Bonhoeffer's Religionless Christianity in its Christological Context. Dr. Hooten, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Gary. It's uh, really good to be here. Yeah, yeah. I've been looking forward to this. Well, how, how we usually start the show is just sort of a get to know you. So we'll just start off with a pretty basic question. How did you discover Bonhoeffer? Well, I came to theology um, after a career in the Australian Foreign Service. Uh, so when I left the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade at the beginning of 2012, um, I did a little bit of work on nuclear disarmament um, before taking up uh, theology uh, full time. Um, I already had a by then uh, rather ancient arts degree um, to which I, uh, I added several layers of theology. And um, <clears throat> it, was, it was while I was doing a master's in theology by, by coursework uh, that I came across Bonhoeffer um, together with um, Schleiermacher, Barth and Bultmann. So, you know, those, the names were familiar, but I really didn't know much about them as theologians. And uh, uh, as it happened, I, I was quite taken with all of them and, uh, in fact, enjoyed their, uh, their differences. But it was, it was Bonhoeffer who really got under my skin, and uh, I decided that uh, he'd be the most satisfactory companion for a, for a PhD. Um, although I was essentially attracted to Bonhoeffer's theology, uh, his... Uh, his populist and increasingly violent historical context, which uh, has a more or less global contemporary resonance, um, also interested me. Hmm. Wow, that seems like quite a, a change from foreign service to to theology. <laughs> how, how did that come about? I had always been interested in uh, in theology, and I was looking for a, an opportunity to. Uh, indulge that uh, that interest and i found you know once i had left the foreign service that uh, uh, the opportunity was uh, was there so i uh, so i took it <laughs> it was a little bit self-indulgent that's great um so your your book bonhoeffer's religionless christianity and its christological context is is this your phd dissertation it is uh phd uh, plus, I mean, um, if we talk about you know how I got to the book, um, well, that that path certainly uh, leads through the through the PhD, hmm. um, and uh, uh, having decided to do that with with Bonhoeffer, then uh, you know, religionless Christianity seemed a, a particularly good fit for me. Um, I was drawn to the paradox. I mean, how can you separate Christianity and religion? Um, it didn't uh, uh, seem possible, but the uh, the thought that it that it might be um, appealed to me. And like a lot of people, I I worry about religions' uh, historical and contemporary associations with violence and intolerance, exclusivity, etc. Um, of course, Bonhoeffer's uh, letters and papers from prison um, have attracted a good deal of attention since uh, they were first published in the in the early 1950s. And uh, there is now, I think, an inclination to uh, 
to believe that everything that could usefully be said about uh, religion as Christianity has been said and uh, mm. that it's all a bit passé. But I, I don't think this is true of anything that has a real theological value and it's it's certainly not true of, uh, of religion as Christianity. Um, so I asked a series of questions uh, in, in order to bring myself, as, as, as I hoped, um, progressively closer to an understanding of uh, of what Bonhoeffer meant by the phrase religionless Christianity when he came to introduce it in 1944, which was just a year before he was executed. Um, why did Bonhoeffer see the need for a religionless form of Christianity? Uh, was he right to anticipate the approach of a completely religionless age? Uh, what did he understand by religion? Where do we find in his earlier theology the roots of a future religionless Christianity? What does he mean by non-religious interpretation? Um, what is religionless Christianity really? And you know what might it mean for theology today? Wow! So it looks like you've uh, it looks like you've read all the questions that I'm going to ask you. Because <laughs> also well, really the chat they're all, they're pretty much the uh, the chapter headings of the book too. So oh. um, that's I, I sort of step through all of those all of those elements in order to get to some sort of a of an end and and. Uh, um, my aim was 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 certainly to present uh, religionless Christianity, if I if I could, not as some sort of stray fragment of thought or uh, or passing aberration, a, a you know a product perhaps of his confinement, um, but rather as a, a coherent and persuasive contemporary theology, as, as something uh, important and of continuing value. So um, I decided to turn all of this into a into a book uh, when it seemed to me and 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 some others that uh, I might actually have achieved my objective to a uh, a modest degree. So uh, mm. I wanted to share my understanding of uh, of his religion as Christianity, not just with 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 other scholars, but also with with students and and the general reader who I hoped uh, you know might get something uh, something worthwhile out of it. Mm -hmm. Wow, uh, there's so much there to unpack. One of the things that you you mentioned. Um, was about, about the fragment of his theological thought that, that you find in letters and papers. I mean, really, he didn't have very much time to, to work out everything that he surely would have done in the future. This past year, I had the honor of teaching a, a class at my, at my university, an undergrad class on Bonhoeffer, just, just one session of it. Um, and we were talking about, we read, all read letters and papers and we were talking about it. And one of the students raised the question, should we really be scrutinizing his words this intensely because they're just letters? <laughs> he kind of like gave this analogy, like I would really hate if people spent this much time looking over my text messages about theology to, <laughs> to my friend and, and trying to find meaning from that. But it seems to me and from all the people that I've spoken to that are Bonhoeffer scholars that there really is a lot that you can unpack from even these little revolutionary phrases like religionless Christianity. So I guess what I want to start with uh, is, A, what, what do you think about that, about the fragment? But then also, let's uh, talk about, you mentioned a completely religionless world uh, or uh, a world come of age. What do you think are things that we need to keep in mind as we read letters and papers uh, as far as the fragmentary idea of the theology? And then, uh, then we can jump into the book. It's just a question that came off my head as you mentioned it, but I was just wondering your thoughts. 
Yeah, well, <clears throat> I think um, the fragmentary uh, nature of, of of the letters is uh, is uh, irrefutable. I mean that that is certainly the case. But um, uh, and I think this is what I've I've focused on in in, in the book is the fact that uh, there is so much of his uh, uh, of his theology of of of, of the, the through life theology of Bonhoeffer that uh, makes it way it makes its way into those uh, into those letters uh, um, and when you when you begin to look at that uh, you can see that there is uh, you know so much so much more to those those fragments than you might uh, initially suspect so uh, mm. um, I think they have a lot more enduring sign- significance than uh, than any text message I've ever sent to <laughs> um, definitely. But I mean, then to pick up your your point, I mean, again, to sort of you know step through it, I suppose that you do um, um, mention this idea of uh, a completely religionless age, a, a world come of age, and I, I you know, I'm quite happy to uh, um, address that in, in in some detail because it's uh, uh, it's 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 pretty important. I mean, we could uh, we could certainly be be forgiven, I think, for thinking that uh, that is Bonhoeffer's pessimism. Um, about the future of religion was was simply a product of his uh, own violent times, mm. um, but you know he was actually taking a much longer view, uh, and we can see this not just in the in the prison letters but also in the, in the ethics. Um, Bonhoeffer believed the uh, the West to be approaching a, uh, a time of completion, you know, the end of a a long period of growth in human autonomy, which uh, had its origins in the Renaissance, and came progressively uh, to undermine um, previously unchallenged sources of religious authority. Um, the world could, could now be understood perfectly well with, uh, without God, reason and science were, were sufficient for the purpose. Um, I, I think most of us uh, understand this to be true in important ways, but was Bonhoeffer right about the approach of a completely religionless age? Because if he wasn't right about that, there would seem to be, you know, little need for a new religionless form of Christianity. Um, and we clearly don't live in a religionless world. Uh, there are more than two billion Christians today, <laughs> to say nothing of the other major faith traditions. And there are, there are still, in fact, more Christians in Europe, I believe, though only just, um, than on any other continent. And more Christians, I think, in the United States than in any other one country. Um, but this isn't the whole story. I mean, there's been a, a truly remarkable decline in the overall significance of religion in the West over the past 60 years. Uh, in my own country, Australia, for example, three out of every 10 Australians went to see uh, the evangelist Billy Graham when he uh, came to Australia for several months in 1959. And, and that was in a population that was uh, 25% uh, Catholic. So. Uh, you know, that was a very different situation to, uh, to the situation that uh, we now have in Australia in 2020. I mean, now a bare majority of the population, uh, 52%, um, identifies as Christian. And 30% of Australians ticked the no religion box in the, in, the last cen- in the last census back in 2016. So um, I think on the one hand, we can, we can say with, with uh, some confidence that uh, mainstream secularization theory uh, was wrong to assume that modernity leads uh, inevitably to secularization. Um, but it, uh, it does uh, certainly foster plurality. It, it enables choice among alternatives, including alternatives to religion. So, you know, we, we may not live in a religionless age, 
but we do live in a much less religious one um, whose distinguishing features, um, things like pragmatism, materialism, relativism, hyper-individualism, make it increasingly hard for people uh, just simply and confidently uh, to believe in God. Even uh, religious people um, are now at most partly religious. I think, you know, in the West we can pretty safely say that Christianity now exists in a world whose uh, inhabitants, including many of those who still choose to call themselves religious, don't depend on God in any significant sense of, of that word depend. So um, this, of course, isn't the future that uh, Bonhoeffer predicted, but it's sufficiently like it um, to support a, a broadly positive assessment of his uh, historical premise. Hmm. You mentioned he uses the term religionless Christianity. So I'm wondering, what does Bonhoeffer mean by religion? An important, an important question, uh, because, um, you know, uh, we have to understand that um, before we really can understand what he means by religionless, of course. Um, well, his, his views on religion um, owe much to Karl Barth's early theology, and uh, especially to Barth's uh, commentary on Romans, which, uh, which Bonhoeffer read as a student. Um, Barth was hugely important to Bonhoeffer. I mean, he helped him to understand the difference between faith as an act of God's grace and, and, and religion, which is always, you know, essentially a human invention. Um, this was a distinction that, uh, that Bonhoeffer found uh, immensely uh, helpful when he uh, stumbled across it uh, as, a, uh, as a student uh, at university. Um, it, was, it was Bart who uh, convinced him of something that he was very happy to be convinced of, and that is that there's just one way to God, which is, which is God's way to us. Mm. Um, Bart, of course, becomes uh, less significant for Bonhoeffer in the 1930s as Bonhoeffer gets more and more involved in practical church and political activities, but he's certainly back again in the prison letters where uh, Bonhoeffer, in fact, uh, chastises him for failing to grasp the uh, religionless implications of his own pioneering critique of religion. Um, so for Bonhoeffer, all religion is, is essentially a sort of vain reaching out to God from below. He speaks um, in one of the prison letters of uh, the crucial distinction, he calls it, between Christianity and all religion. The key for him uh, lies in, uh, in Matthew 8, 17, where, he found, where we find those words of uh, Isaiah, he took our infirmities and bore our diseases. This, this passage, he thinks, makes it very clear, and this is to quote Bonhoeffer directly, that, that Christ helps us not by virtue of his omnipotence, but rather by virtue of his weakness and suffering. And um, this distinction between the powerful God of religion and the vulnerable God of the gospel lies at the heart of uh, Bonhoeffer's critique of religion. And uh, in fact, it lies also at the heart, of course, of his concept of a religionless Christianity. Um, other elements of the critique of religion, its uh, preoccupation with personal salvation, its tendency to see God as the solution only to problems we haven't yet solved, its confinement to, to a particular sphere of life, and its uh, unjustified assumptions of privilege and authority uh, are all shaped by this distinction. Mm. So when, when religion is set aside, uh, what's left is simply the, uh, the gift of God's word. So God's revelation, as far as Bonhoeffer is concerned, is, uh, um, isn't threatened by the collapse of religion because Jesus uh, 
didn't call us to religion, but uh, but always and only to uh, to new life with uh, with God. Thinking about that understanding of religion, um, Bonhoeffer talks in his in letters and papers about the non-religious interpretation of theological concepts. So how how does that understanding of religion play into non-religious? What does he mean by that? Um, I'm sure that's that's one of the most perplexing Bonhoeffer texts. I think I've I've read it in the whole corpus. Um, so if you could shine, <laughs> shed some light on that, that'd be great. Well, yeah, um, scholars actually, uh, you know, there there is there is disagreement here on uh, not only on the significance of non-religious interpretation, whether it's something we can simply safely ignore, which I don't think it is, but um, uh, people disagree too on what, what is most important here, whether the emphasis in uh, non-religious interpretation should be on ethics uh, or on hermeneutics. Um, Ernst Feil um, believed Bonhoeffer, uh, Bonhoeffer to have been more concerned with the future form and uh, practice of Christianity than with the, uh, the language used to describe it. Um, he said that uh, we misunderstood uh, Bonhoeffer's interest in non-religious interpretation if we failed to give priority to, to the ethical dimension and instead saw religious Christianity as largely a matter of hermeneutics. Um, and uh, Eberhard Bethke took a, a similar view. Um, Gerhard Ebeling, though, uh, prioritized language over form. He, he believed religionless Christianity to depend both on a particular way of understanding the human encounter with God um, and on language capable of conveying this understanding to people who knew little about any sort of Christianity. Mm. So I, I think it's fair to say that Bonhoeffer believed the work of, of shaping practical expressions of a new religionless form of Christianity um, to require new ways of thinking and speaking about the Christian faith. Non-religious, or we might perhaps uh, say worldly interpretation, would play an important role in establishing religionless Christianity. By finding new ways of explaining existing uh, theological and biblical concepts, um, non-religious language uh, should do what Bonhoeffer believed a religious language um, could no longer do, uh, and that is uh, bear witness to uh, the identity and, and to the relevance of, of, of Jesus Christ in a world come of age. He, um, he knew this wouldn't be easy. He left us probably only one example of non-religious interpretation in the prison letters where he equates uh, repentance with ultimate honesty. Um, by which he seems to have meant that, that Christians turn to God and follow Christ in a world which uh, now takes very little notice uh, either of God or of them. Um, I'm sure that, uh, that Bonhoeffer would have taken us further down this path if he'd had the chance to do so. Um, and I happen to believe too that this work of non-religious interpretation must go on if we're to treat his religionless Christianity um, as it should be treated, uh, which is as fully functional theology. Um, the question, of course, is where to begin. We have um, Bonhoeffer's lists, which include the words faith, uh, repentance, um, uh, reconciliation, justification, sanctification, among others. But there's uh, no reason to, uh, to see these uh, as uh, somehow fixed or settled. The, um, the challenge for us is to find language that allows us to distinguish the real encounter with God and Jesus Christ from a specious uh, religious experience of God, um, and that makes the distinction credible, I suppose, to uh, 
to people who, whether for religious or non-religious reasons, um, may not be inclined to take that distinction seriously. And uh, I give this a go. I take some small steps in this direction in, uh, in chapter four of the book. You said repentance and ultimate honesty. I'm wondering if you can maybe parse that out a little bit. Uh, so is, is he comparing the two or contrasting the two or is he comparing the two? How does, how does that work with, let's just say, this example of repentance and ultimate honesty? He is not looking for uh, new words for the concepts themselves. So I, I think it's, it's clear that he's quite happy to stay with the words like repentance and uh, uh, incarnation and, and sanctification, justification. He's just looking for, for new ways of, of interpreting them that uh, reflect the uh, uh, particular historical circumstances in which uh, um, he believed we then were, and I think uh, perhaps uh, now um, even more are. Um, so it's a, it's a matter of interpretation. And in, in this case, um, what he's saying is that our, uh, our turning to God, repentance, conversion, turning to God, takes place in a, uh, a different sort of space uh, to that which uh, um, this kind of activity may have taken um, place in the past. It, uh, it now takes place in a world that, uh, instead of being full of God, is in fact empty of God. I mean, it's, it's, in a sense, it, it, it appears God-forsaken. Um, and unless we are sufficiently honest to recognize that fact that now our repentance won't uh, really um, uh, take us very far. So it's, it's, it's that, that kind of thing that he's, to, that he's doing. But of course, he doesn't really get to the point. Um, this in itself is an interpretation because he really doesn't get to that point in the prison letters. Um, everything is, 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 is very much at the beginning. But I think it's a, a reasonable way of, uh, of understanding. Because if, if you read... Uh, the context in which those words are introduced, what I've said actually makes um, a reasonable amount of sense. Yeah, wow, that's really helpful. Um, it's starting. To, uh, that's one of the greatest things about doing this podcast is being able to talk to Bonhoeffer scholars and ask them, "Hey, I didn't understand this," and they kind of help you with their homework, your homework, and things start to <laughs> things start to click a little bit. So I, I appreciate it. Um, well, let's jump into the main, the crux of the book. I mean, the book is called Bonhoeffer's Religionless Christianity and its Christological concept, Context. So, what is religious, religionless Christianity and its Christological Context, and, and why the emphasis on Christology? Yeah, it's all <laughs> a bit of a mouthful, really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I Tongue tie. Try and get the same, the same way. <clears throat> um, okay, well... We have to start off, I suppose, by saying something I, which is pretty obvious to most of us who spend time with Bonhoeffer, and that is that he was a he was a thoroughly Christocentric uh, theologian, um, and his preoccupation with um, with the event of um, God's becoming human in Jesus Christ meant for him uh, that all theology uh, was in essence Christology. Um, I think it was it was uh, Ralph Fistenberg who uh, warns that anyone who fails to see Bonhoeffer's Christological center misinterprets him in the larger sense, um, including with respect to uh, religionless Christianity. So in his 1933 uh, Christology lectures, Bonhoeffer describes Christ as the very word of God, and he describes Christology as the word about the word of God. Um, as such, uh, you know, Christology stands alone at the very center of uh, human knowledge of God. And he's no less Christocentric 10 years later in prison. The um, 
I think it's important to understand uh, when you're reading about religion as Christianity that uh, the mystery of God's becoming human is at the very heart of it, um, just as it uh, is at the heart of uh, all of his uh, uh, of his theology. Um, so Bonhoeffer raises the prospect of a religionless Christ Christianity in um, a handful of letters that were smuggled out of his prison cell in the spring and summer of 1944. Um, the letters suggest that, uh, that he wants to help his fellow Christians grasp the situation in which they find themselves, to accept um, and to embody this autonomous world come of age uh, without abandoning Christ. Life, um, history, theology, they've all conspired to convince him that, uh, that God expects us to manage our lives without God. And this confronting sense of, of God's withdrawal from public life sets religionless Christianity apart from everything Bonhoeffer believes to be characteristic of the religious understanding. The powerful God of religion is gone, and we're now again free uh, to see the God of the Bible who uh, Bonhoeffer believes gains ground and power in the world by being powerless. The wonderful phrase, God consents to be pushed out of the world and onto the cross. He speaks of God as weak and powerless in the world and only in this way um, with us and helping us. The, uh, the line, only the suffering God can help. So for Bonhoeffer, the idea that God suffers um, had in fact always been uh, for him one of the most convincing teachings of Christianity. Christians, he felt, was, were, were called to share in God's suffering at the hands of a godless world and uh, could do this only by living thoroughly worldly lives, by living fully, as he says, in the, in the midst of life's tasks, questions, successes and failures, experiences and perplexities. They know that uh, they have, like Christ, to drink the cup of earthly life the last drop on her for again, um, which means to uh, respond faithfully to the ever-changing demands of vulnerable, uh, finite life. Um, religionless Christianity is, is new for Bonhoeffer in prison, but its, its, its key elements really aren't. Uh, and in the book, I, I highlight those uh, predominantly Christological aspects of Bonhoeffer's thinking, which uh, seem to me to enable the emergence of his prison theology. And I, perhaps I'll give just a, a brief example here. Um, in the outline for a book, uh, which he sent out with, with one of the last of the uh, letters from prison, Bonhoeffer describes God simply as encounter with Jesus Christ. Now, so much of his theology is captured in this, in this brief sentence. The idea, for example, that whatever else and more God may be and, and surely is, uh, we can only truly know the God who became human. Um, we're reminded here, too, of, of Christ the mediator, of the one who stands before God on my behalf and between me and every other. And this absence of um, independent existence is, I think, uh, such an important part of, uh, of religionless Christianity. Uh, in Jesus Christ, we, we recognize our, our true humanity as something shared and, and never solitary. Our sense of I-ness, uh, is grounded exclusively in relationship with God and, and other people. Life is innately social and necessarily involves accepting responsibility for, for others. Um, human freedom, too, can be properly understood only as a relation. In Jesus Christ, God uh, chooses to be free 
for rather than from human beings. And, and this means that uh, um, our freedom too, as human beings made in God's image, can really only be a freedom for others. In um, religion as Christianity, uh, the affirmation of the life of faith lived only in the world, uh, the subordination of power to weakness, the idea that only the suffering God can help, and the promise of, of new life in Christ, the, the human being for others, um, these are all firmly grounded in, in his earlier theology, uh, including um, his extremely important uh, overarching vision of one reality in, in Christ. And so when, it, when it's um, seen in this light and um, regarded holistically as, as part of a life's work, um, Bonhoeffer's religionless Christianity is, I think, best understood as the, as the natural um, though um, by no means inevitable outcome of his uh, uh, through-life um, theological endeavor. Wow. That was my experience reading your book. Uh, I mentioned this before we even started recording, but it's I, I was taken aback because it's a book that's clearly about a concept that is explicitly stated in the, uh, the prison letters. Um, but you do go back throughout... The entirety of of Bonhoeffer's works and and just show these various parts where because um, I know that there's been many I get maybe not many but there have been some Bonhoeffer scholars that say that Bonhoeffer sort of diverts from the rest of his theology in, in the prison letters um, but I think you've done a, an excellent job to show that no this is sort of a, an ongoing thing here it is you trace it right back to the very beginning to Saint Dorm Communio. Uh, life together, discipleship, you, you take each little bit on its way. And it's just a great thread to follow through the entire corpus. And, and, to, and as you do that, I felt like I really understood Bonhoeffer more, um, just like the core of what he's trying to say the whole time. Oh, that's great. I'm very, very pleased that, uh, that, you, that you read it that way, because that was um, very much um, um, my intention, or well, certainly became my intention, <laughs> as I uh, um, as I as I uh, went through the uh, went through the subject. Yeah, well, well done. Uh, so, well, I, I'll ask you this: Bonhoeffer is a very practical theologian. He is very Christocentric, but he's very he's a pastor. He wants his theology mm -hmm. to be applicable. So, I'm wondering, what is the significance of religionless Christianity for today? So, if he were if he were to still be writing, what do you think he'd say to us, and why is it important to really grasp this concept and, and live by it? Good question. I don't think I can answer it for Bonhoeffer. Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I can, and I, I sort of made this clear through the book that I was I was trying not to uh, uh, draw conclusions that were inconsistent with uh, with Bonhoeffer's. Uh, uh, thought, mm -hmm. um, but I was clearly um, going further down some paths than uh, than he had had um, the opportunity to go. And I, but I was, I was, I think, careful, as careful as I could be, uh, not to do any 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 violence to his uh, uh, his particular understandings of, uh, uh, of of theology as I understood them. But yeah, I mean, the the question, you know. Uh, what what good does this stuff do us today um, is an important question um, and uh, has to be answered in some sort of 
reasonably persuasive way, I think, um, because I think it's important. Uh, and uh, so this is my way of answering it. But what I what I particularly like about religion as Christianity um, is that I I think it spares us a choice between earth and heaven. Um, the the choice between uh, uh, a self-enclosed, entirely secular humanism, um, and um, an ultimately unconvincing uh, otherworldly transcendentalism. Mm. So, in religion as Christianity, you get this sort of genuine existentialism, by which I mean a, a, a thoroughly worldly life of constant uh, decision, risk, responsibility, and it's held in tension with uh, uh, with a genuine other, a, a real outside. Um, Bonhoeffer wants us to understand that Christ's death and resurrection uh, do not point uh, to, to new life in some other place, but rather to a new way of living, of, of being for others in this one. Mm. And in this context, um, Christ's weakness and powerlessness belong naturally to finite biological life, just as surely as, uh, uh, as his love and compassion uh, belong to God. So, in religion as Christianity, uh, Christians place their trust in a God who is weak and powerless in the world because they know God, understood in this way, uh, to be loving and faithful. Mm. They're, um, they're content to uh, manage their lives without God because they know that the, the God of religion, the, the Deus Ex Machina, um, never was the God uh, before whom they stand continually, as Bonhoeffer says. They know that, uh, that only the suffering God can help, um, because only in the presence of the crucified and risen Christ um, does the human encounter with God take place. God is the encounter with Jesus Christ, as, as, as Bonhoeffer says. Mm. Um, interestingly, Bonhoeffer once asked a long time before he wrote, um, uh, a long time before he was in prison, he once asked, what good um, does a God do us who is in eternity and is stronger than sin and death. Um, how can such a God help us? Does this God inquire after me? Um, we may, I think, find the image of, uh, of a God who is weak and powerless in the world confronting, um, but then if God knew nothing of weakness and suffering, God would not know us, and, uh, and we would have no reason to place our faith in uh, uh, in God's saving love. So only the suffering God, I would suggest, can, uh, can bring God's creatures into compassionate relation with the, uh, the divine life. And there is something about this that, that seems to me to, to speak to the, uh, the religionless Christianity project um, very deeply and directly. Hmm. That section uh, where Bonhoeffer in, in the letters and papers, when he's... Um, writing about what it means to live by faith. You, you quoted it earlier. It's my favorite favorite section of all of everything that I've ever read from Bonhoeffer is where he's, I think he says that, uh, I used to think it was something like living a saintly life. And now mm. I see it as fully participating in the struggles and the successes and, you know. In the, in the, the midst of life and all its perplexities and uncertainties, yeah. <laughs> He's very quotable there, Bonhoeffer, very quotable. Yeah, and uh, man, uh, I'm really thankful for him and thankful for for that work and thankful for you taking the time to, A, be on this podcast, but B, especially write this book where you can kind of 
help us trace those, that line from the beginning to end and, and make sense of how it could be applicable to us today. So again, thank you for that. Um, I, I'll, I'll close with one question. I, I usually, we ask this every episode. Um, it's just really, it's a way to get a book recommendation. <laughs> um, but it's a desert island, game of desert island. Um, you, you're trapped on a desert island. You're allowed to have one book by Bonhoeffer, a primary Bonhoeffer. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, the second one is a secondary source. So anything about Bonhoeffer could be about his theology, it could be a biography, anything you want. What two books are you going with? <laughs> okay. Um, the book by Bonhoeffer, I think it's, I mean, it's a, it's a very hard question to answer. I'd, li- I'd like to take the collected works, but um, I'd go with ethics. Uh, you know, that such a, a rich and unfinished project and, you know, one that he was looking forward to uh, to completing uh, after the war and after his release from prison. So uh, there's a, a real pathos about that book, uh, but there's also just so much in it already, even though it is um, unfinished. Um, secondary source, I, I would take... Um, um, I would take Betke's um, uh, magisterial biography of Bonhoeffer, and uh, which is a good book to have in case uh, no one actually came to fetch me. <laughs> because it's rather long, right? Yeah. And I'm a reasonably slow reader, so uh, it would uh, it would keep me company for quite a long while. <laughs> I think um, I think the Betke has been the secondary source chosen by almost every guest I've had. Uh, so I think. I mean, I'm not sure what episode I'm on. It's somewhere around 15, I would guess. I would guess probably 11 or 12 have said Betka's biography. So, uh, <laughs> well, there, must be some, there must be something in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. That's, everyone's saying it, and I still haven't. I've read it, but I just, you know, just finished school, so now I can have some uh, some time to work through that massive, massive book. Uh, <laughs> but it it'll be great. But uh, yeah, thank you so much just for taking the time to do this. Um, again, I loved your book and if anyone who's listening to this could not recommend it more, um, it's one of the best Bonhoeffer books I've read. I, I well, can't really give you. Thank you very much, Corey. And, and thank you very much too for having me on the, uh, on your show. It's been, it's been good fun. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome back anytime. Um, we'd be glad to, glad to set that up. So, uh, the book is religion, Bonhoeffer's religionless Christianity and its Christological context. The... Publisher is, yeah, Lexington Book, Fortress Academic. You can find it on Amazon or you just go straight to the publisher. I'm sure they have it for sale as well. So check that out for those of you who are listening. And uh, yeah, that, I guess that will wrap us up. I, I appreciate this again. This has been great. Thanks, Corey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonhoeffer Podcast. If you would like to support the podcast, please visit patreon.com slash Pod. I've created this Patreon for a few reasons. One, the podcast has production costs, and it would be nice to offset some of that. Two, I hope to eventually transition this podcast from monthly to at least bi-weekly. And three, it will allow us to connect more regularly about Bonhoeffer Scholarship. So please consider supporting the podcast at patreon.com slash Bonhoeffer pod. And as always, thanks for listening.